Hello friends. Today I'm dedicating this podcast to my friend Pod. This week is his birthday, so I thought it was fitting. I'd also like to call him the podcast's number one sponsor, since this wouldn't really be here without him. If you don't already know from my Instagram posts, technology and I are not friends. I don't put in time, I'm not interested, and it slightly wigs me out. Fortunately, I have a pod. Pod is my magical husband of 10 years, and Aura really, truly, really wouldn't be here without him. Was this his dream? Nope. Is he passionate about recipe testing, awful meats, fermentation? Heck no. But on a daily basis, he's at least 50% of this business. He sets up all the techie stuff, he does all the paperwork and accounts, he's a mean kitchen hand, a really cool boss, and his cleanliness standards are through the roof. If you haven't noticed our posters around the shop, we've only ever got five out of five stars, and that's thanks to Pod training us all how to clean. Pod was never meant to work at Aura, but it all got a bit too exciting too fast, and he had to jump in. And for those of you that think I make him wash dishes, that's actually his choice. It's his favorite job, even though his hospitality skills are, I think, a 10 out of 10 when it comes to dealing with people. Bless his American upbringing. We love you, Pod. Happy birthday! Welcome to episode two of the Aura podcast, A Different Path. I completely forgot to introduce myself last episode because I'm very new to this, but I think most of you know me from the shop, and if you don't, my name is Alex. It's probably also a good time to mention that Pod's name is Alex too. That's why he gets the nickname Pod, otherwise it all just becomes a bit too confusing. Our other sponsor today is OMG Oat Milk. They are the only fresh plant-based milk on the market that contains a friendly oil. I know other milks out there don't contain oils, but this milk does, and they've set an example by using olive oil, so I think they deserve a shout out. Today, we're talking nut milks, plant milks, whatever it is you'd like to call them. At Aura, we've been talking about these milks since 2015. Firstly, because we were proud to make our own. Secondly, because we wanted to raise awareness on what's in these so-called healthier milks. A quick shout out to Marianne, a very old friend and our professional milk maker. This lassie made all of our nut milks consistently for five years, sometimes coming in at 3.30 in the morning. Dead set legend, I'll never forget it. And before I continue, I will just warn that there may be some swearing in this episode. I am known to swear when I talk about things I'm passionate about that infuriate me. So, to begin, I'm sure you're all label readers. If you're not, you should definitely become one. The shit that's being sneakily added to the most basic items is outrageous. For example, tuna oil in breadcrumbs. Did you know that? Anyway, I'm going to begin by reading a couple of ingredient lists from the most popular nut milks out there. I'm going to start with Milk Lab because they seem to have an array of options. So they're almond milk. Water, almonds, sugar, sunflower oil, maltodextrin from corn, obviously a GMO, acidity regulators, stabilizers, sunflower lecithin, salt. Oat milk. Water, oats, sunflower oil, acidity regulator, minerals, salt. 
Soy milk. Water. Secret Milk Lab Soy Blend. Juicer. Canola oil. Maltodextrin. Sugar. Acidity regulator. Natural flavors. Sunflower lecithin. Stabilizers. Salt. Coconut milk. Water. Coconut cream. Sugar. Vegetable protein. Salt. Stabilizers. Natural flavors. Oatly. Now, before I go through these ingredients, I just want to quote um, what they've got written on their website. Our goal is to always deliver products that have maximum nutritional value and minimal environmental impact. Their ingredient list is as follows. Oats, vegetable oil, minerals, salt, vitamins. I don't know if this milk is pronounced Holt or H. Holt. I think it's like hemp alternative. I had to scroll on this website to find these ingredients. But here they are. Water, tapioca dextrose, sunflower oil, hemp protein, modified tapioca starch, acidity regulator, salts, emulsifier, vegetable gums. Before I get into the nitty gritty details of why I don't like these milks, I would like to share a story because I think it's really important to stand up for things like this, even if it gets a little bit awkward. Um, now, let me have a look. So it was the 6th of September, 2021, when I got sent an excited message from a customer. It said, hey, have you seen this new milk? And sent me a photo. Naturally, I got a little bit excited as it was a hemp-based milk and I hadn't seen anything like that before. So I quickly sent off a message to the company asking for a list of ingredients. What came back to me was incredibly disappointing. I just read you that list of ingredients. The next morning, I had a combined total of eight messages and tags asking me about this same milk. So I decided to do a post. I didn't list the brand of the milk. I was factual about the ingredients. And then I shared my opinion that I think, in fact, it should be called tapioca dextrose milk, as that was the main ingredient after water. That night, I received a not so happy message, and this is what it said. Okay, well, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I've just looked at the message and it's really long and I don't want to bore you guys. But the idea was that they didn't like the post that I'd done. They asked me to take it down. Um, They said that... The product was created during COVID lockdown, that I shouldn't be tearing other small businesses down, that we should in fact be working together. Um, I responded saying that I've been talking about these milks for many years and all I did was list the list of ingredients. Um, I haven't made up anything or contributed anything of mine to that list. And she said that she'd like to meet up. So we organized a time to meet up. Um, she came in two days earlier, which kind of took me by surprise because I was in the kitchen cooking, but I had time in that moment. So I went out and gave her my time. And to be honest, all I heard was a lot of excuses and how this was the only way it could work. So in case you haven't gathered what we're talking about, I was, I was saying, like I did the post because I wasn't happy with that list of ingredients and I would never use that milk because it contained way too many ingredients when it should really be clean water, hemp, salts, and that's all. And that's what I've always talked about. 
Um, I still didn't understand why she wanted me to take down the post. I still didn't believe I'd said anything incorrect. Her story didn't change the ingredient list. Um, she told me she was looking forward to making a fresh hemp milk that had no oils in it. I said I'd love um, her to bring that product into me when it's up and running because it's definitely something I could maybe get behind. And when I've gone onto the website to get these ingredients to read to you guys, I've seen that there isn't a fresh hemp milk yet. Um, but what there is, is sorry, what there is, is a barista milk. Pet peeve, barista milks. I hate these milks so much to the point that if I see a cafe using them, I'm probably leaving. There are nut and seed milks and there are barista nut and seed milks. And these things really are a chemical shitstorm or for a pretty picture on the top of a coffee. Who cares? Now, I know we don't currently make our really cool range of nut milks anymore because we no longer have a coffee machine. I will quickly add the only people that I know on this side of the bridge that do that are Orchard Street. But I do like to stay on top of this stuff because people are constantly asking me about them and sending me new items that they have come across like all the time. So apart from the obvious that the majority of these milks are long life, why do I get so upset about them? Aside from the sugar, the pretend vitamins that are supposedly helping us keep to our RDIs, I'm sure you've guessed it. It's those bastard vegetable oils. So let's get started with what is a vegetable oil? I hope that most of you know that these oils do not come from vegetables such as broccoli and carrots, etc. Some of the bottles still have these veggies on the front and it really does my head in, like really does my head in. A vegetable oil is the lipid extracted from corn, canola, soy, sunflower seed, cottonseed, safflower seed, rice bran and grapeseed. No veggies in that list, team. When these seeds are refined, the list that I just mentioned, it ultimately destroys both healthy PUFAs, polyunsaturated fatty acids, and their complementary antioxidants, converting them into distorted unhealthy molecules. These oils are found in almost all ready-made foods, plant milks, vegan and vegetarian items like fake cheese and meat products, don't eat those, frozen meals, dressings, a lot of baked goods, and even some dried fruits. For me, one of the biggest killers are the blended oils and butters. Some restaurants will use a blended olive oil so it's cheaper. And manufacturers will add vegetable oil to butter to make it more spreadable. How about leaving your butter on the bench? I just like, that's just not worth it. Not worth it. While some of you may be thinking, but I use a cold pressed organic insert whatever seed oil. Even these organic expeller pressed oils contain mutated, oxidized, heat damaged versions of once healthy fats. Sorry. Now let's talk processes. So how these are made, just so you have a better understanding. One of the initial steps in making vegetable oil actually involves the use of hexane, which is a component of gasoline. Awesome. The smell of this initial extraction is so nasty that you would never think that you could do something to make it stop from smelling like that. 
Making these disgusting smelling products palatable is an intense process. It takes 20 or so additional stages to bleach and deodorize the dark, smelly, gross stuff we are about to consider fit for consumption. Again, the organic expeller press oils go through the same process. The only difference is that solvents are not used. I just wanted to make that point. It will be in the notes, but I have two books for this week and I will be referencing both. Firstly, Dr. Catherine Shanahan's epic book called Deep Nutrition, an absolute cracker of a read. I highly recommend. I go back to this book often and I double recommend it if you eat and I triple recommend it if you want to have babies. Dr. Catherine Shanahan refers to vegetable oils as a seasoned general that knows your weaknesses and probes every vulnerability point for the opportunity to get into your brain and dismantle your cognitive functioning. Shit. How do they do this? Number one, by attacking the gut. Number two, by deactivating the defense systems. Number three, counterintelligence, AKA getting your body to turn on itself. Number four, cutting off supplies, AKA brain cramps. Number five, firebombing, AKA accelerates oxidation. Number six, blowing up the roads, AKA vegetable oil deranges traffic flow inside the nerve cells. Number seven, identity theft. I'm going to go into a bit more detail on this one because it really freaks me out. But Dr. Catherine talks about autism and how when these PUFA-derived mutagens make it to the cell that houses DNA, they can bind to DNA and create new de novo mutations. Dr. Catherine says that DNA mutations affecting a woman's ovaries, a man's sperm, or a fertilized embryo can have a devastating impact on subsequent generations. Now, sometimes this explanation helps me to understand why the world seems so fucked up at the moment, why people can't think for themselves, can't put two and two together, can't have good old conversations with people they disagree with. But anyway, uh, back to vegetable oils. Vegetable oils also impair vitamin absorption and they do little to suppress appetite, which is why you'll find them in just about all processed foods. This is what the manufacturers are hoping for, that you eat more and more and more because you don't really ever feel satisfied until you've polished off the whole packet. And then you just feel sick, not really full. And how much nutrition did these processed foods contain? I'll go with my dad saying on this one, which is the square root of bugger all. If you don't follow, that means nothing, no nutrition, zip. At this point, you may be wondering what oils are good then so here's the list good oils and fats olive oil peanut oil butter yes butter macadamia nut oil coconut oil animal fats such as lard and tallow and palm oil just to be clear i'm now going to read the list of bad fats again just so it's in your mind Canola oil, soy oil, sunflower oil, cottonseed oil, corn oil, grapeseed oil, safflower oil. And just so I don't forget, because I think this is so important to say, Nutalex and all of those rank vegan spreads, they are not cool. Unless someone's created one made from like pure coconut oil, stay away from those. 
I'm also just going to quickly add, because I'm asked many, many times about olive oil. Olive oil is awesome. You want to source a goodie because naturally there are lots of shit ones out there, but olive oils and palm oils are mostly saturated and monounsaturated fatty acids and are therefore um, not so fragile. So these are easily extracted at low temperatures and they also resist a kind of heat-related damage called oxidation. For those of you that don't eat animal products, I realize your list will feel small, but do take note because one day your body might cry out for animal products and you will want to know that you are making good decisions. Please don't be angry that I said that. This is just nature. Hopefully you've all gone and bought that book I mentioned last week or two weeks ago or in the episode one, I should maybe say, Vegetarianism Explained, that you're reading that, that you're all on board, moving towards real health, real food, back to oils. Um, What else did I want to say? Oh, yeah. Now, I didn't know if I should venture down this road because it could become a whole other topic in itself. But I am feeling like I'm going to take advantage of having your attention. Thanks for listening, by the way. Um, Just while this is all fresh in your mind um, and as you learn more about these oils. Um, I want to, yeah, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good to just touch on. I want to quickly talk about cooking with these oils. I'm sure you're all saying, because people always say to me, oh, no, I don't use these oils at home. If you do, quickly bin them moving right along but do you eat out do you get takeaway fun not so fun fact cooking in vegetable oil doesn't so much as just cook your food but blasts it with free radicals traditional cooking methods often make nutrients more bioavailable and for that reason are anti-inflammatory so cooking with vegetable oils destroys your complex nutrients blast your tissues with free radicals and these foods cooked in vegetable oils will also carry fewer vitamins and antioxidants than foods cooked using traditional methods and better oils just to drive this point home here is my first quote today that comes from dr catherine vegetable oils contain mostly heat sensitive polyunsaturated fats when heated these fragile fats turn into toxic compounds including trans fat the heat sensitive sorry the heat sensitivity issue means that all processed vegetable oils and all products that contain vegetable oil necessarily contain trans fat canola oil degrades so rapidly that a testing company needing to find the purest canola oil to use as a standard against which other oils could be compared couldn't locate any canola oil even from pharmaceutical grade manufacturers with a trans fat content lower than 1.2% This means that vegetable oil and products made from vegetable oil contain trans fat, even when the label seems to guarantee them trans-free. But because heat so readily distorts their fatty acids, vegetable oil and products made from vegetable oil also contain something that is worse for us than trans. So, you eat some of these oils. We all do. They're almost unavoidable, unless you're living in the bush, growing almost everything you eat, But this is why I push on the plant milk thing. If you can do your very best to avoid adding vegetable oils to your staple items like your morning coffee, your hot drinks, smoothies, etc., you're kicking a goal. 
if you choose items that don't contain vegetable oils in the list of ingredients to put in your shopping cart, you're kicking a goal. Start reading labels. And this will help to semi-cut these nasty oils out of your diet. And then when you're invited out for a meal for your mate's birthday, go along, participate, eat the set menu and enjoy yourself. What are all those words people say? Um, 80-20, balance, it's not the ingredient, it's the quantity, something like that. But I think the other version sounds better. The point is, we are never escaping these things completely, but we can definitely do better. We can definitely make better choices. How? By supporting the people and the companies that are working their asses off creating products that don't contain shitty ingredients and or cooking food for you, not using these vegetable oils. Vote with your dollar team. Now it's not so simple. Questions have to be asked. You will feel annoying, but it's okay. This is coming from a lady that brings her own squeezy bottle of olive oil to teppanyaki because there's no way I'm eating all that food coated in vegetable oil And there was no way my baby niece and nephew were eating that crap either. The chef was more than willing, and just for your knowledge, he used the whole bottle. So that was an entire bottle of vegetable oil eight of us avoided consuming for just one meal. That's some fucked up shit right there, guys. I've also been to a local Italian restaurant. Italian usually has more options as they love the good olive oils. I said I couldn't eat vegetable oil. The staff were helpful and came back with my own menu that had been edited by the chef. Using his pen, he had circled the items I could safely order. Guess what I couldn't order? Any of the salads. Why? Because the salad dressing was made with cottonseed oil in an Italian restaurant. Are you kidding me? I couldn't believe it. Anyway, two years later, I go back to this restaurant. I was invited by a friend. I say the same thing and the response was, we don't use oils like that here. Please, I've seen those massive barrels being delivered to this restaurant and then they're sitting out the front to be collected by the rubbish man. Anyway, I was with my fancy friend. The waiter asked if he could bring us out a selection of the menu. This sounded fun, I thought. My friend then said, maybe to make it easier, but also probably because he's smart. Yeah. None of those oils for me either. I kid you not. We got eight dishes and six of them contained fried food. I went to the chef and I asked what they cooked in and he said, cottonseed oil. My goodness. The point is, if you're happy to call ahead or speak to your waiter, waitress, you most definitely need to say you're allergic. Otherwise, you will not be taken seriously. It's sad, but true. Definitely worth it though, because once you learn more and more about these oils, you will probably do your very best to try and avoid this shit show because you will understand the effects that they have on your body. Technically, I would like to say, and this is just my opinion, so nobody needs to get upset. I think we are allergic to these oils. It's just a very slow onset of symptoms. Or you can be chill, eat the occasional meal, go home. Have a hot water with some ginger powder to aid digestion and say a little prayer. But guys, these things, they are really toxic and they really are everywhere. So do your best. 
Invest in resources, learn more, spread the word. Ask establishments to prepare your food without these oils. Ask companies to make milk with olive oil and support companies like OMG who are doing the right thing now. Actually, far story, which made me really upset. Just the other day, a very special friend of mine who is an ex-employee of Aura works up at Byron Bay in a big plant-based cafe and she was so excited. She'd sent me a message saying that they got samples of the OMG milk and that it was really, really good. And then a couple of weeks later, she messaged me. So this is just the other day saying they brought on the OMG milk and just about every customer complained. And so now they have to switch back to Oatly. Disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. This made me really, really upset. Anyway, I'll keep it calm. But my point is we need to support the people that are doing the right thing now just because it is hard. It is really hard to be different and it's really hard to push through while being different. I am still to this day unsure why people feel the need to eat food that has, and beverages, because we're talking about milk, that has the ability to sit on a shelf for years without going bad. Is that my next podcast? Maybe. Eat fresh food, people, and beverages. Food and beverages like plant milks, that nourish your body. Don't pay good money for dead milk or dead food for that matter. Eat real food, alive food. Another question I'm asked all the time is what milk do you recommend? At the end of the day, my answer will always be the same. Make your own, take your own. And maybe one day your local will realize that you'd really like it if they just made it for you. People go on about how hard it is, but seriously, one cup of nuts, a liter of clean water and blend. You only need to strain it for coffee and tea, hot beverages. Um, But otherwise, you can even leave the pulp in it if it's for baking and smoothies. Some tough advice. Choosing the lazy option is never going to be better for you. Don't let anyone try and tell you different. Everything will always seem harder in the beginning because it's new, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. I hope you enjoy this information. I hope you feel like you are armed with enough info to go and share this knowledge with your fam- ugh, your family and your friends or your friends and your family. Because at the end of the day, if we don't choose it, buy it or consume it, it won't stick around. But we all need to get on board. So let's support the people doing the right thing and lead by example. My second quote this week comes from the amazing Sally Fallon. It's a brief explanation on the difference of naturally occurring vitamins versus synthetic vitamins. Because sometimes people think buying these so-called food items that are giving them supposedly nutrition, more nutrition, because they contain these synthetic... Oh, anyway. Sorry, I won't get upset. But just remember, nothing will ever beat real whole food especially when it's made by you or someone that loves you or even cares about you a little bit. This will always be better. Over to Sally Fallon. There is a large difference between the vitamins found in foods and many of the vitamins sold in pill form in our health food stores and drugstores. Vitamins in food come with many cofactors, such as related vitamins, enzymes and minerals, which act with the vitamin to ensure that it is absorbed and properly used. Most commercially produced supplements contain vitamins that are either crystalline, am I saying that right, or synthetic. 
Crystalline vitamins are those that have been separated from natural sources by chemical means. Synthetic vitamins are, pro are produced from scratch in the laboratory. Both are purified or fractionated concentrates of the vitamin, which act more like drugs than nutrients in the body. They can actually disrupt the body chemistry and cause many imbalances. An additional danger with synthetic vitamins is that they can be the mirror image of what is found in nature, a form that actually that may actually be patently harmful. Natural vitamins obtained from whole foods, food concentrates and superfoods like yeast, spirulina, bee pollen and cod liver oil work in small quantities with almost magical effects. But crystalline or synthetic vitamins may not work at all. For example, synthetic bee derived from coal tar did not cure beriberi in Korean prisoners of war, but rice polishings with natural vitamin B complex did. Synthetic vitamin C is not as effective in curing scurvy as fresh citrus juice, and synthetic beta-carotene given to smokers actually increased their risk of cancer, while their natural forms found in fruits and vegetables are protective. Sorry for my terrible reading there, guys. But what I was trying to say before is that when you see an item on the shelf and it says it's high in and gives you a list of vitamins and minerals, if that food doesn't naturally contain those which it probably wouldn't because it's overly processed don't necessarily think that it's better because these weird people have added in these weird synthetic vitamins it's always best to prepare your food as best as you can preferably from scratch so you know that it's not old so you know that it's fresh so that you know it hasn't been sitting on a truck for one week sitting on a shelf for another eight years however long it is that it's been there the reason i choose to prepare as much of my food as possible is so that i know what's going into my body i know where it's come from i know what it's doing for my health if it's contributing or if it's taking away because remember friends we only get one body and why not fill it with goodness i hope you've enjoyed today's podcast i hope it wasn't too overwhelming I think it's good to look at it in a positive light that with new information you can make better informed choices that hopefully lead to happier, healthy bodies. Bye!